I mentioned to you a little earlier that we had some special guests with us today, and um, it is the Cooper family, um, Sean, Marianne, Camden, and Nolan. Is Marianne, Camden, and Nolan out? Okay, they're right over here. Just raise I won't make you stand up, but they're right over here, uh, and I hope you get to see the rest of the family in, in a little bit, but um, they've been serving with Pioneer Bible Translators and leading two local language translations in Southeast Asia. Sean also serves as the Southeast Asia Branch Director for Pioneer Bible Translators, and Mary Ann serves as the Southeast Asia uh, Care Facilitator. Uh, they both uh, graduated from MACU, Mid-Atlantic Christian University, in 2007. They, of course, grew up in eastern North Carolina and began working with PBT in 2008, and then they moved on to Southeast Asia in 2012. And their heart's desire is to see the movement of God in people as they come to faith in Jesus and experience transformed lives. So this morning, would you give Sean Cooper a great Christ Church welcome? Good morning, everyone. I just want to say thank you first. Uh, we are so grateful to be partners in ministry with Christ Church. And because God has brought us together, there are two language groups, two people groups in Southeast Asia who are receiving God's word for the very first time. This is uh, the first chapter of Genesis in the Baker language. And if you leave today, you can see uh, other examples of Old Testament stories that have been translated uh, in the past year plus, and we've been able to print and share with the people over there. We thank you. Uh, God has brought us together, and we're really grateful to walk together with Christ Church in this work and grateful for our partnership. Uh, let's, uh, let's begin this morning in prayer. Lord, you are God and we are not. We praise your name. We come before you as unworthy people. We have sinned. We have fallen short. Without you, we're nothing. We are lowly servants. And we should remain humble. We're grateful, Father, that because of Jesus, you have changed our life. And the trajectory of our life is no longer the same as it was before. You have saved us. You've given us hope. We come together because of you, because of Jesus. Father, we need you. Life is not possible without you. Father, would you do what you want to do with us, in and through us? We pray this in Jesus. Amen. Uh, my name is Sean, and uh, we've been able to serve with uh, Pioneer Bible Translators for the past, it's getting to be a while now, it's almost 15 years actually, that we've been with Pioneer Bible Translators. If you've done anything for 15 years, you start to realize that you've been around for a little while. Now, I haven't been around as long as some people. Bert, earlier, he told me I still can't call him Mr. Jenkins because he doesn't want to feel old, you know. 
<laughs> but some of us you know, have been around quite longer than 15 years. But we're really grateful to be with Pioneer Bible Translators, really grateful where God has led us. I just want to remind you of a few things. First um, is that the, the mission, the vision of what we want to see change in the world, the difference we want to see made in the world because uh, we're together with Pioneer Bible Translators, because God has brought us on this team and has brought you on this team, is we want to see transform lives through God's Word in every language on earth. If you encounter God's Word, if you engage with God's Word, if you allow it to come into your mind and heart, you cannot be the same. You can't. It's impossible to truly engage with God's Word and to come away being the same person. We want to see that transformation happening all over the world. We want to disciple people, disciple those people who don't have God's Word, the Bibleists, those who are without the Bible. We want to disciple them bringing them into that relationship with Jesus. We want to mobilize God's people, ourselves, Christ Church, wherever his body exists, mobilizing them towards the mission he's called us on. We want to provide enduring access to God's word. For hundreds of years now in English, we've been able to have his word in our language. There are many languages in the world, still thousands of languages in the world who do not have that privilege of knowing God's word in their own language. We want to see enduring access to God's word. And all of this only happens through prayer. That is the strategy for, for our team, for Pioneer Bible Translators. We come to God, kneel before Him, lean into Him, ask Him to do what He wants to do in the world. Not what we want to do, but what He wants to do. Praying is a strategy for seeing all these things accomplished. There should be some stats here. Um, being with the team for 15 years, there's been some changes. The team has grown a lot. Uh, when we first joined, it was under 200 members within the organization. So 15 years ago, under 200 members. Now we have 600 plus, probably closer to 650 now, actually. We're working in 28 countries. We're serving 113 languages, translating for 113 languages, at reaching 176 plus million people. And very soon this year, our president's really excited, the whole team's really excited, because we're very close to having completed a process through 1 million verses. One millions of verses of Scripture through those 113 languages in 28 countries reaching 176 million people. Now, some people say PBT stands for party big time. I promise you, where some type of party is going to happen when we get to one million verses as a team. So I'm really, really excited about that. We need to put this up there. We work in a place that's not open uh, to what we are desiring to do for God uh, in the country. And so this morning, I'd ask you not to be public on the Internet I uh, give a lot of details about our names and the organization we work with, and if you know specific places and all those things. Uh, yeah, just a little disclaimer uh, to be sensitive about communication related to what you hear this morning. Uh, there should be a Venn diagram here. This is, um, this is what we believe, why we believe God really led us to Southeast Asia. He led us there because there is great need. There is truly really great need in the country. We have 469 language groups that are completely without the Bible. No part of God's word in the language they grew up speaking as children. 236 unreached groups. There's no representation of the body of Christ among them. They're unreached. They don't have God's loving body among them. Now, these are spiritually impoverished places. These are very poor places spiritually to have none of God's word and none of Christ's church among them. That was a pun there, by the way. Okay. <laughs> then in the overlap, 
you can see there's 150 of those languages that exist in both of those realities. They have neither their church nor do they have God's word in their language. God's led us here because there's great need. We really, really know that he's led us there for the great need. And we pray he raises up more workers to come alongside us. This is a map just to show you that we're all across the globe in those 28 countries. Uh, this doesn't even represent all the places that we're located. But PBT is growing. It's been growing for a long time. And a lot of places in the world are serving. When it comes to the team in Southeast Asia, our specific team in Southeast Asia, we're working in four languages as a team uh, together, four local languages. And those are reaching almost five million people. And then we have one national translation, a translation in the national language of the country where we serve, and that reaches 200 million people. And even reaches people who are first language speakers of the national language. There's a growing number of people in the country who now grow up speaking the national language. They don't grow up speaking any type of mother tongue. It could be this year that maybe it reaches about 50 million people where their first language is that national language. And so this one translation, national language, is serving a lot of people, not just those who are second language speakers of that translation, but those who are beginning just to know that language as their only language. The two languages we work on all funnel through, we all work through a nonprofit organization in Southeast Asia. And so we have a whole team of people, about a dozen people, who are partners in ministry with us, who are walking with us in this work that God has called out as well, that God has led us together for this vision and mission to happen in this one little place in the world that very little people know about. And I've taken a couple people out there, I'm like, look, you are one of only a very few people, not only like the people who live in our country, like there are many people who live where we live, um, on the same island, they don't even know about the little town we go to. <laughs> I mean, like, if I take people, I'm just like, look, you just got to understand, you're like one of a very few people on earth who have ever stepped foot on the ground we're stepping on right now. And it's in like, that's just to me, it's a, it's a vision of like, God wants to do something there. He wants to do something there that we can't see completely right now, but we're trusting him for. And so this team of people, not just ourselves, but these 12 people have come alongside us for that same purpose. We're working in two language groups. The Baker language group is about 160,000 speakers, almost completely from another majority religion. And then we have the Dumas people group that are about, 10 to 15,000 speakers, and they do have some churches. They have some bodies of believers among them, but they also have a lot of animistic believers among them. And these two language groups are working. Uh, we're working together to see God's word come into their language and begin to impact their communities. Now, the first things we've done is these Old Testament stories, 25 Old Testament story portions from the Old Testament, from the first chapter of Genesis leading up to prophecies about Jesus. And then both of our teams have worked on the book of Luke, our one team's finished with the book of Luke, and we're looking to get that printed and distributed among the churches, among the people there. And then our other language group, the Baker team, we're working right now. When our, my trip last month, I was gone for a month. We were able to start in the first chapters of Luke for the Baker language. Many of the people on the team checking with us, they've never read Luke in their life. And reading the first, go back and read the first four chapters of Luke. There's some astounding things. We asked one of the questions we just said, what do you think about these stories you're reading in Luke? And the comments were, they're very interesting. Very interesting stories. But somebody followed up her and said, actually, they're extraordinary. These stories are truly extraordinary to see what God does just in those four. And through the rest of this year, we're going to be working through Luke with our Baker team, which is a really big unreached people group in our area. So that's just a little bit about our team. Our vision as a team there is to serve love and bring light 
to the unreached or neglected people. There's a little sign here that you can see, but to serve, love, bring light to the unreached and neglected people. Now, I'm just going to take a moment to kind of remind you of, maybe remind you, maybe give you a picture of the translation process that you've never seen before. And I'm learning much more as we keep going deeper, but translation is probably not what you think it is. <laughs> and like in your mind, and even in my mind before we went to the field, like I had ideas of what I thought it would look like. You, like a lot of things, when you jump into it, you can just scratch all that. It just all changes. It's, it's a very intricate, arduous, long-term process, especially this past year. We, we worked for the last uh, year, we worked to get these 25 stories for the Baker language, many hours in the consultant checking process, which is only one step of the whole thing. And it just showed me this is a long-term deal. This is not going to be done tomorrow. It's an arduous, challenging process. But I want to take you kind of just a picture through these steps. You have a drafting stage, okay? That's really what most of us think about when we think about translation. And that's only a beginning. That's just like the first little step, okay? That's okay. We got some source languages, okay? We know one language. We want to bring it into a new language, okay? So for our teams, they use a software program called Paratext. And they'll have several versions of the national language translations on their software They'll use that to read the text if it's for the first time for them. they read it for the first time in several different versions. Or if they know the text, they're going to read through it to do their best to start translating a draft into their language. But that's just step one of six steps to get to where we want to go. So that, that's a simple step. It does not take long to draft. But then you're going to come back to the draft and you're going to revise that draft. Has anybody here ever written a book? We met a cousin uh, last week, a cousin of ours. She wrote a couple books now, and I asked her, you know, how long was she working on it before she published? Twelve years. It took her twelve years to publish her first book. I said, is that a common story for authors? She said, yeah. The average is about seven to ten years before you can publish a book. Okay, that's writing anything, right? And we're talking about translating the word and wanting to be accurate with what comes into the new language. So the drafting is simple, but you come back, you revise it. You do an exegetical check. You make sure the meaning that God intended from his original word is now best represented in that new language. If it's not, you're going to have to make some changes. And if you don't understand it from the beginning, well, then you're going to have to dig deep and figure out what God means when he says certain things. So you do exegetical checking, do a revising to make sure the meaning matches up with God's intention. You go on then from that to comprehension checking, which oftentimes is called village checking. Now we need more input than just these three or four or five people who are working on it in an office trying to learn and translate into their own language. It's just a small, narrow window of understanding for that language group, for any person, honestly. You want to get more than one idea. You can't just sit around with three people. You're going to need a lot more people. So you're going to take that word. You're going to go out to the people who haven't read it before, they've never heard it before in their language, and you're going to say, hey, will you sit down and read with me? i got a story here from chapter 1 of Genesis. Let's sit down and look at it together. Sit down, look at that together, read it together. You're going to ask some questions, ask them maybe to paraphrase it, say it back to you, ask if they can do it together as a team. You know, one person shares with all they can remember, somebody else fills in some gaps. Do they understand it or not? Okay, and if they don't, what was missing? Or if they know a word that wasn't the best word and they want to make a suggestion, what is that word? If there's a term there that actually had a connotation that was more negative than was originally understood, what do we need to change here? So we take all of those suggestions from that community checking, that village checking, comprehension checking. We go back and we revise again. Okay, we make those changes again. Then you go into step 
4, which is not listed here, but lots of times you have to do a back translation. Lots of times when you get past that community checking, you have to get it into a language that's going to be available for a consultant to come and look at. So I back translate a lot of the Baker work for our consultant who only speaks uh, English and a language out in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> and so she doesn't know the national language. She doesn't know any of the languages where we work. So I have to translate into English so she can see a representation of what we're working on. And then we'll get the consultant to come and meet up with us. Okay, it's time. Let's just go through Genesis 1 through 5. It'll take us five or six days to walk through every verse of Genesis 1 through 5. All right, so let's, get down, let's sit down together and do that. And a consultant will step in who has lots of expertise, years of experience in translation. She knows biblical language or he knows biblical languages. She has lots of training in translation principles. She's going to come join us now as an expert and ask the kind of questions that we couldn't think to ask in the beginning. So we're going to sit down with her on Genesis 1, chapter 1 through 5. We're going to do that process together. And she's going to ask, or he's going to ask questions you would have never even thought to think about. Not only about God's word, like an exegesis, but also about like language and about culture and about what they have experienced in four other languages they've worked on in their 50 years in translation. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, we just, we didn't get this right. Okay, we didn't get that right. Okay, now let's make all these changes again. So we're through like a fourth revision process here after the consultant check. But once you get through that consultant check and that revision, you now have what would be stamped as an authorized, finished translation of God's Word. But it's only in this software program called Paratex. Now we got to get it into a form where people can access it and they can read it. Okay, so you do pre-publication, you do typesetting, you might want to put in audio format, all of those things. This is like chapter 1 of Genesis, let's just say this took us six months to get one chapter of only a few verses of God's Word into another language. I, I take the time to tell you that because this is a long haul. This is not an instant gratification type thing. It takes perseverance and it takes a commitment to keep moving forward. And we believe it's worth it because God's word is powerful. It is truly powerful. And even just one chapter could change somebody's entire life when they meet God and what he has to say to them. So that's just a little bit. I want to take us beyond that to look at uh, some pictures of different things. I was um, just overseas for about a whole month. I uh, did some wonderful things. I want to share some of that. There's a couple of fun pictures up here. I got to see a couple of these first ones. This is the pictures of the, the Paratex program that our teams use. Anybody love fish? Went out to uh, our family's uh, village and whole haul of fish. She brought in nine fish, all of them amazing and different and like really even stingray. There's some river ray in there. Uh, you can look at this uh, next couple pictures. This is where they would cook the fish out on a, this is a floating house actually with a little um, cook uh, kitchen on it. Just burn up your fire and start cooking your fish inside the tin. Now, this is the one I just want to take a second, you know. Anybody, anybody, anybody know what that is? Okay. We go, our, all the people we work with, they live along the river, okay. So we just get on the boat sometimes. We go to a village, going down the river. Well, some of us just can't, you know, we just, we got to make a stop. So we make a stop on this floating little dock. You know, it's got four little pieces of tin with a little door, tiny roof. You step in and you know what to do with the rest, right? You know, you just, just right there in the river. All right. <laughs> this next picture here is about um, the fruit season I was just in. So I went over there and like when it's fruit season, not where we live, like it literally just like falls off. The street. I mean, like they, they pile it up on the side of the street. I should have taken more pictures, but like they'll pile it up on the side of the street. This is, anybody know what that fruit is? Durian. Anybody had durian before? 
Okay, there's lots of different kinds of durian, actually. This is a red one here, which I had never eaten before. It was pretty good, better than the green ones. And then this other fruit I got made is called papua, which I had never seen before, never eaten before. Like where we live is really close to the jungles of Borneo, and there are so many indigenous fruits that like I've, yeah, it's just almost impossible to try them all. But yeah, I was there during fruit season. That was really fun and exciting. The next pictures here are about our Dumas team. So you'll see some pictures of us doing uh, village checking or when they actually were doing consultant checking with the uh, consultant that they work with. This is a Bible society. And there's a lot of opportunity for the Dumas team to partner with the local church. And so a lot of these things that our Dumas team is doing is in conjunction with the local church. And they've actually distributed those Old Testament stories and got some response We've done a little bit of follow-up, and we're hoping to make some revisions and bring more stories to more churches. And they hoping, actually, our lead translator, he wants before Easter to at least have the story of Easter available to the Dumas people so they can read it on their services on Easter Sunday. At Christmas, they actually had services uh, for Christmas, and they were able to print just on paper. They just print on paper Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And in four services, they read out loud in public meetings, for the very first time in the Dumas language, the story of Christmas <laughs> to the people. And there was really great response to that. Some of them were really excited. They said, look, let's do other, let's, what about the Lord's Prayer? Can we have the Lord's Prayer so we can pray through the Lord's Prayer in Dumas? And our lead translator, let's get the whole, and so they're working right now to get ready to do some more of those shorter versions before the whole book's ready, shorter sections that they can use within their services. The next picture will show you our baker team. And we have a lot more intricate involvement with our baker team. We have a lot more long-term prayer uh, in the baker team. So this is a group that even our translators are not all believers yet. They're working alongside of us with an open heart. They desire to know God uh, from their perspective and their religion. And they're walking alongside us in this process. And we're learning a lot together and able to share so much with them. But we're... Um, able this past trip to go through several different schools and distribute these Old Testament storybooks, sharing with the schools that they could be used for local language learning, they could be used to actually learn about um, the stories of the prophets from the Old Testament, and they can be used just as literature to help increase um, literacy for the students in the school. So we went to seven different schools just last month to share about all those storybooks. Uh, and we've also shared with a few uh, families in several villages, but we're really praying that these will be like the inroads. These will be the first steps to seeing a great movement of people come to faith among the baker because they're almost nine, they're 99.2% from this majority religion. There's almost no believers. Out of 160,000 people, there's only 50 known believers among the whole group. And none of them are meeting together. None of those believers are actually meeting together. So lots of different things for the Baker team. Last year was the very first scripture published for them, those 25 Old Testament stories. We published them um, in June or July of last year and started distributing then. And then on this past trip, we were able to distribute more. Uh, another picture you'll see here, a couple of pictures here, is uh, from our trip where I was able to do a short language survey. Um, our team has... And this was not led by me, and I was intentional about not bringing this to them. But they have a heart now. They said, look, there are other languages in our area besides the two we're working on. There are other people who do not have God's word in their language. There are actually some languages farther east who are saying, hey, I hear what you're doing there. We have some churches here and some languages here. We would love to start what you're doing there. Can you help us? And so our director, our team is starting to see and have a vision for beyond themselves, bringing God's word to other language groups. And so one of those groups is this language that we did a survey on. 
just a quick uh, couple hours with a few, there's about 10 or 12 different speakers from that language, ask them some different questions about their language, learn how they're related to a couple other languages in the area, learn about the, uh, a couple of questions to learn about the strength, vitality of their language and various things like that. And so now that'll give us some data to work with to see if we can make some steps forward in helping them. Now that particular language group, there's another language that's actually being worked on by our partner. And so we might be able to access a lot of uh, their translation to do an adaptation for this language group. But that's something our team, not by our direction, but on their own, said, look, we want to see what God might do to lead us to other language groups in our area. The last couple of pictures here are um, at the very end of my trip, I was able to share about the national translation um, that's being done by one of our teammates. And he has the whole New Testament finished. He also has in his newest edition, Genesis and Exodus, included with that. And so I brought together local pastors. I said, hey, would you come listen about this new translation that you probably don't know about and see if it might help you in your work and ministry and help your congregation, your believers that you ever see in going deeper into the Word. So they came. I showed them how the translation could benefit them, how it could be used, and also gave them several copies for each pastor to take back with them to other leaders in their church to be able to use and challenge them to use it for 30 days and see if it made a difference in their understanding of God's Word. Because this particular translation is designed to give people better access to understanding God's Word. It's written in what we call a plain uh, version of the national translation. And so hoping to hear some from them in the next couple of months and if they do, our teammates' uh, organization, they will actually donate the Bibles if you pay for the shipping. So they're going to give all the Bibles away. And this year alone, they want to distribute 30,000 copies. 30,000 copies of the New Testament plus Genesis and Exodus all across the country. And their vision is to alleviate Bible poverty. Where the Bible is not able to be accessed by the people, that they could actually go to those rural places, like where we live, and actually be able to bring God's Word and have it in a language that's at least understood by the people um, that live there. I, I want to turn us um, a different direction as we uh, come to thinking on God's Word together this morning. I, I was uh, taking time to think about some things Tim shared and to, to remember coming here together with our partners at Christ Church. And I came across Acts chapter 16. And I want to just take a second to look at Acts chapter 16 and a message uh, from the Word. If you look at Acts chapter 16, um, we're on Paul's second journey. This is his second journey going through um, to places uh, to spread the good news of Jesus to people. And at the beginning of that chapter, you'll see that he meets. Uh, he's going to go with Silas now. He went Barnabas on the first trip. He's going to go with Silas on the second trip. And he goes through places that he was already uh, at on his first trip to strengthen those churches. And as he does, he comes across a young man named Timothy. And as he comes, uh, meets Timothy, Timothy is really well spoken of by other believers. And so Paul wants to invite Timothy. He wants to bring Timothy out uh, to join him on his journey of spreading the good news. So, if we think about our life and how we can make a difference in other people's lives... I think Paul's example here really depicts something really powerful. We have opportunity when we follow Christ to challenge somebody else to think about something that they maybe never thought about before, to issue a call on their life to join a ministry, to give them an opportunity to partner that maybe they've never had the opportunity for. And Paul does that here with Timothy. He's on a journey. He's not alone. He's with Silas and even other companions like Luke. Uh, 
and others we don't even know. But he sees Timothy, he hears how well he's spoken of, and the promise that's there, the potential that's there, and he says, will you join us? He extends this invitation for Timothy to come and join them. Now, that might be something that's happened in your life before. Somebody came into your life and gave you a challenge or called you out for something. Or maybe that's how you met Jesus. Somebody invited you to meet the one that can change your life. And it might be today that that's a way that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. Maybe God has somebody on your heart that you need to call out and ask to join a ministry or to come to know Jesus or to become a partner in something big. That's one powerful way we can really change the trajectory of somebody's life. Go read First and Second Timothy. You will see that Timothy's life is no longer the same after he meets Paul. We can make that kind of change in people's life. As you keep going through Acts 16, you'll see that they, they try to go to several places. Okay, they, The Spirit prevents them from going to Bithynia, other parts of Asia. They're trying to get into these different places, but the Spirit keeps preventing them. And then at, at night, Paul goes to sleep and he has a vision of the man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia is calling out and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we can see here there's if we want to make a significant difference in the world, if we want to make any difference at all, we have to be sensitive to the Spirit. You have to be sensitive to God's Spirit if you want to make a difference in people's lives, if you want to make a difference in the world. Now, take a look with me at these two maps, okay? If you'll go back to that first map, you can see Paul on his first journey, they do a loop, right? If, if anybody a runner, you know, you run on loops, you travel on loops. I mean, everything's on a loop, right? You go somewhere and then you come back. That's how travel works. We have some practice on that. You know, you go somewhere and you come back. That's just, this is what you do. So they, they make a big loop, right? They go out to the island of Cyprus. They go up into the southern part of Asia Minor. They go to these several um, towns. So you can see Bithynia, they, uh, not Bithynia. They have Iconium, Derby, Lystra. Go to all those places and they come back to Antioch where they were sent out from. Now, look at this second picture. This is their second journey. Okay, they go out, this time north. They're going to go through the mainland. They're not going to cross over the war. They go north. They're going to strengthen those places they went to on the first trip. Derby, Lystra, Iconium. Then they go to Antioch, Pisidia. From there, if you read what it says, they try to go northeast. Now, in my mind, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're going to make another loop, right? They're going to go to the rest of Asia Minor on the north side. They try to go to Bithynia, other parts of Asia. To me, it's like they're going to turn east, Make a big loop and then either get back to Jerusalem or Antioch again. But the Spirit prevents them from doing that. I think inside that is really powerful truth for us when we're sensitive to the Spirit. It is lots of times not according to our plan. I really think Paul and his companions, they have a plan, right? They have a whole plan of where they're going to go, where they're going to head to, and it says several times, this is where they wanted to go. This is where they want to go. The Spirit prevents them. In life, if we are sensitive to the Spirit, it will lots of times be unexpected, not what we thought ahead of time, and not according to the plans we made. He will work in an unplanned way. And if we want to really make a difference, you better listen to Him and forget what you thought about ahead of time. And be sensitive to His leading. Now, if you see what happens from there, the rest of Acts 16, 
they listen, right? There's no way they're not going to listen to the Spirit. Paul and all of his team, Timothy included now, they're all going together to Europe. They're basically going to go to Europe, right? They're going to go over to Macedonia to the continent of Europe. And eventually they're going to get to a town called Philippi. Now, does Philippi ring a bell for anybody? Anybody heard of Philippi before? Okay. Well, in Philippi, they're going to meet a lady of purple named Lydia by the river. They're going to share the message of Jesus with Lydia. Lydia and her whole household are going to believe. And they're going to be baptized. And they're going to say, come stay with us. Well, now they have a place to stay. They're with Lydia in Philippi, who's now her and her household believers. Okay, so every day they're going out. It says they're going to go out to pray. The place of prayer, they're going to go to the place of prayer. Well, as they do that, there's a slave person, like a slave woman. I don't know if she's a girl. Sometimes she's referred to as a girl. But there's a female who's a slave. And she has this ability to predict the future because of a spirit. Because there's some type of demon inside of her, some type of spirit inside her. She can predict the future. Well, she starts nagging on Paul and his crew, right? She starts calling out. She starts saying, Oh, these are the men who are servants of the Most High God, and they're going to tell you how to be saved. They're going to tell you the way to be saved. And day after day, it says for days she does this. Well, one day, Paul is just totally annoyed. He can't stand it anymore. And so he turns around, he looks at this girl, and he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And immediately, the Spirit leaves. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that this slave girl becomes a believer. But I'm pretty sure if you had a demon cast out of you, you would believe in the power that cast that demon out of you. And you can look at other examples in the Acts of the Apostles and also in the, um, um, the Gospels. People who have the demon, a demon cast out of them oftentimes follow Jesus. So now we have literally her whole household comes to Jesus. Most likely this slave woman comes to Jesus. And because of what they did with the slave woman, now the people who own the slave say, hey, you just took away our income, you're going to jail. So they get the authorities, and they put Paul and Silas, they beat him first. They beat the mess out of him first. They put Paul and Silas in jail. And then, in jail, Paul and Silas are praying, they're singing. Giant earthquake comes, all the doors are open. Now, I haven't been in an earthquake before, but I don't think doors automatically open when there's an earthquake, right? So I think, you know, some divine intervention here, all the doors open, and the jailer is on the edge of committing suicide because of this event. But Paul hollers out, he says, don't, we're all here. And he leads the jailer and his whole household to Jesus. Now, this is obvious, right? If we want to make a difference in people's life, you lead them to Jesus. It's as simple as that. You just tell people about Jesus. It'll change your life forever. Just like it changed mine. And many of you sitting here, there's nothing else to think about. You don't have to think about nothing else. It's that simple. You tell the world about Jesus, and it will bring change. It will make a difference. I want you to see a couple slides here. Look at all these names. I went through, oh, it didn't show up. Well, there's a whole list of like five columns of names. A while back, I went through all of the epistles, and I just looked for every single person that came in to partner with Paul in ministry. There's all these people whose lives are totally changed because they joined together to partner in ministry. 
And he says amazing things about the people. He said, they're fellow workers. They've worked hard. They risked their lives for me. They're beloved, chosen saints, brothers, sisters, devoted to service. Refreshed, they've refreshed my spirit. Paul made a difference in all these people's lives, and they made a difference in his life. Because they came together for the greatest thing on earth of telling people about Jesus. Look at this next list if it shows up. This next list would show you all the people who, during his three journeys, Paul led to faith. He, he leads this whole group of people, various places, and a lot of his epistles are written to those churches. All of these people come to know Jesus because Paul stepped out, went somewhere he hadn't gone, and shared with them about Jesus. Now, you don't have to go across the world to do that. You can do that anywhere. Because I promise you, there are so many people right here, right now, who still don't know Jesus. If we want to make a difference, it's truly as simple as that. These last few pictures are of our family in Southeast Asia. Now, I was there this past month, and one family we're really close to, Marianne has an amazing testimony of how she's shared faith with uh, this neighbor of ours, and it would be great for you to spend time hearing that from her. But this, this mother, the matriarch of this family, when I was there this past time, she said, look, how are my grandchildren doing in America? I said, they're doing good. Your grandchildren are doing good. She said, can I, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, can I call you my son? I said, I would love that. Yes, please call me your son. So now she calls me her big son. So last year, we got to go out to their village for the first time, and that was incredible. And it just, going and eating a meal with somebody in their home, do it. Go eat with somebody in their house that you don't know well, but you want to get to know. It'll give you opportunity that not eating with them won't give you. <laughs> okay, so we went, we ate with them. Those fish he grabbed right after we ate, you know, that I showed you earlier. And when I was there this past time, I was able to sit down with them several times. I, the mother has uh, got some back issues, and then the father had actually grabbed his arm into a boat motor and broke his arm and cut it open real bad. And I, I wanted to pray for them. So we came together. We spent time together. We caught up a lot. We shared a lot. And um, before I left, I, you know, it's not easy to do what Jesus asks you to do sometimes. It doesn't feel comfortable. And Satan will be there to just steal it away from you, I promise. You say yes to God, he will want to steal it away every single time. But it's like, I'm not leaving here until I pray for this mother and father of mine. So I, I prayed for them in Jesus' name, asking that he would heal the mother of her back issues and heal the father from his wounded arm. And about two days later, uh, they were going to go back to the village, and I'm like, look, I'm going to bring you lunch. So I'll go get some food, come together, we're all going to eat lunch together. Well, the first thing that happened when I walked in that door is the mother stood up. She said, look, she said, I can, I can stand up pretty good today. She's like, I don't hurt near as bad. She said, I went walking yesterday, made it clear that she hadn't been walking in a while. She said, you know why? It's because you prayed for me the other day. She said, I believe it's because you prayed for me the other day. God can heal anybody. He truly can. You ask him, he'll heal anybody. Now then she said, you know, we don't always know which prayers God answers. And I lost an opportunity there. I didn't make a difference on that comment that I could have because I could have told her, look, I know who does. When you pray in Jesus' name, it has power. And it makes a difference and it can heal you. But that's a testimony of what God can do through our lives. It's not because of us. I have nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. It just takes inviting others in, being sensitive to the Spirit, and leading people to Jesus.
That's all. Let's pray together. God, you're good. You're so good, and you're so gracious to call us into this amazing mission. You could have left us out. You could have done it all on your own. You don't need us. But you called us in. You invited us in. You said, look, I want to do this through my people. I want to bring about this kingdom through my people. Lord, may it be so. May we bring your kingdom here on earth. In Christ we pray. Amen.